In this episode of Boss Files, a CNN special documentary report, we take you inside the rise of Amazon, understand the mission and the man behind it all. Where is Jeff Bezos taking Amazon next? In this special Boss Files episode, I speak with Margaret Vestager, the EU's Commissioner for Competition, on the heels of the antitrust probe she's just launched. What we are looking into, you know, really hard, is to fully understand the role of data uh, and the role of accumulating uh, a lot of data. Because one of the things that we look into in the Amazon case is not sort of the individual data coming from the individual retailer on the Amazon platform. It is what you can learn when you get the enormous amounts of data from all the retailers coming in and what kind of pattern that will uh, give uh, Amazon compared to what the individual seller can see, if that leads to some kind of, of cherry picking, you can say. You can find our CNN documentary, The Age of Amazon, on CNN Go. Now here's my conversation with the European Commission's top antitrust official, Marguerite Vestier. Commissioner Vestager, thank you so much for joining me. It's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you very much for having me. So the Washington Post calls you the world's toughest big tech regulator and Silicon Valley's top nemesis across the pond. Is that about right? Well, I know what you write, but they write. But, you know, this is what comes with my job, uh, because we're here to make sure that the market serves the consumer and not the other way around. Looking at big tech in the United States, all of these huge companies, Apple, Amazon, Google, Facebook, they are in the midst of this top to bottom you know, sweeping antitrust probe led by Congress, the DOJ, the FTC. What level of scrutiny should these companies be prepared for? Well, the thing is that we really like success. Uh, One of the reasons why these companies uh, are doing good business in Europe is because they're very successful. Europeans really love them. They love the services. They love the way they do business. But they also rely on the businesses to do that by the book to, you know, compete on the marriage, uh, empower innovation, uh, do what we need in order to have a, uh, a vibrant uh, marketplace. And I think in, when you get the doubts and you get the complaints and you get the second thought, then, of course, we are obliged as law enforcers to have the investigations and to make them, you know, thoroughly as we should. What do you think the number one question is that lawmakers in the U.S. should be asking these companies right now? Well, that I don't know, because uh, my colleagues, they do their job in in their way. And as you can see here in Europe, I'm busy enough doing my own day job uh, (laughs) instead of giving giving advice uh, to other people. But what we are looking into, you know, really hard is to fully understand the role of data uh, and the role of accumulating uh, a lot of data. Because one of the things that we look into in the Amazon case is not sort of the individual data coming from the individual retailer on the Amazon platform. It is what you can learn when you get the enormous amounts of data from all the retailers coming in and what kind of pattern that will uh, give uh, Amazon compared to what the individual seller can see, if that leads to some kind of of cherry picking, you can say. So it is the data side of of our economy that everyone around the globe is trying to understand right now. Congressman David Cicilline, who is leading the House's probe of these companies on the antitrust front, has said to us, essentially, America's dropped the ball on this, that we've been way behind Europe on this charge. Would you agree, at least to an extent? 
Well, you know, so far we have had uh, one, two, three uh, Google cases. Uh, we've had the first Amazon case uh, in that we settled. It was on, on e-books to allow for more innovation, uh, for better competition. So in that respect, uh, yes, we have been doing quite a number of cases and we have learned a lot uh, from those cases. And of course, uh, with the necessary uh, waivers, we're more than happy to work with our US colleagues, the DOJ and the FTC, uh, because to a very last degree, we have a value base that is similar, even though to some degree we have different regulation. You have just announced a formal antitrust probe of Amazon. Why? Well, for two reasons. Uh, one thing is we want to look into the cont contractual agreements. Uh, and second, we want to look into the buy box. Uh, because basically Amazon is the only one who knows how and who uh, gets into the buy box. And that we want to investigate further. And we have a lot of data on board already. We've been asking uh, 1,500 uh, retailers. We've been asking in the marketplace, how do you see this? What is going on here? And in, it's in the analysis of those data that we get sort of the sufficient doubts to start asking also more formally uh, questions as to how Amazon is doing their business in those two respects of their contracts and the buy box. For Amazon's part, let me just read what they have said in response. We will f cooperate fully with the European Commission and continue to work hard to support businesses of all sizes and to help them grow. I I'm interested in what it is most specifically that concerns you about Amazon or Commissioner if there was one action or one complaint, perhaps, that sparked this probe initially for you. Well, we looked into e-commerce uh, a couple of years ago, and that produced a number of cases with, uh, with a number of companies. And um, one of the things that kept coming back to us was people, they were concerned about the dual role, where on the one hand side, you host retailers and you give them a chance of doing e-commerce, even though they may primarily be a sort of big and mortar uh, kind of business, while you at the same time are a uh, competitor uh, to those businesses. Uh, and that has, you know, caused some concern into fully understanding, well, is this for real that you host us? Or are we hosted by you because you want to cherry pick when you get all the data from how we do our business? And that concern has been there for quite some time. And then we started our initial probe. And from that initial probe and all the data that we have gotten on board, we found, well, there, is, there, is, there are sufficient grounds for us also formally to open a case. Of course, we do that without prejudice, and we're very happy with uh, how Amazon approaches this. And then, of course, we'll see what comes of the case. Jeff Wilkie, the CEO of Consumer for Amazon, when I asked him directly, you know, does Amazon give priority to private label in search, for example, over other smaller competitors or the little guys, as you call them? He said to me, we prioritize things that customers want. And then this week on Capitol Hill, a member of Congress asked another Amazon executive about that and the data that they get from the little guys, from the other retailers that sell on the Amazon marketplace. And he said, we do not use their individual data when we are making decisions to launch private brands. But you still have questions about this. Well, you know, I think it's, it's kind of a work to season for people in my position that we don't take what you say for granted. We really want to see the evidence that it is as you tell me. And that kind of evidence, of course, comes from investigating. Uh, it comes from uh, analyzing uh, the data uh, because it's not necessarily sort of the data from 
from one small retailer, from one little guy. It may be the insight you get from all the data of all the small guys, uh, because Amazon would be the only one who has access to that sort of full uh, data set. And that, of course, is, is the one that we would like to look into. And second, of course, well, a lot of people would want to sell what people want, uh, not only Amazon. So, of course, we would like to see, well, how does this dual relationship work that you're both a host and a competitor? And, and that is the key question here. Has the commission received any formal complaints about Amazon? Uh, we've had uh, quite a number of uh, concerned people uh, coming to us. Uh, we have no formal complaint. Okay. So let, let's talk about size and bigness. First off, simply put, is Amazon a monopoly in your view? Well, in, in some European markets, in what they do, they may be, as we call it in Europe, be dominant. Uh, and that for us is uh, that's a, a, sort of a key to how we uh, deal with antitrust. Because you're more than welcome to be successful uh, and become a dominant company. But if you are a dominant company, you get a special responsibility uh, to make sure that you still sort of uh, exercise your size and your muscle in a way that is compatible with fair competition. Uh, so you're more than welcome to be successful. That is not what we question. But we question how you may use your success if you still make room for uh, the little guy, for the smaller ones who compete on the merits and also try to do their best to meet customers' needs. You know, I kept hearing, Commissioner, over and over again from Amazon executive after Amazon executive. Every Amazon executive I talked to said to me, we are 1% of global retail sales. We are a small fraction of global retail sales. That may be the case, but in the United States, there are 50% of e-commerce retail sales. What is your response when you hear that? Well, retail as such is not just one big thing. Retail is a lot of different things. And e-commerce in particular is a specific thing because the business model is different. Uh, the delivery and, and how things are bundled together uh, in how you can look for an offer, how you can buy it and how you can have it delivered. So you cannot just compare retail as such and e-commerce and the different ways of doing e-commerce. And of course in that, we will be very granular because we will have to prove that Amazon is dominant in the markets that we're looking at because otherwise we don't have a case. More from our CNN special documentary report on Amazon after the break. Let's talk about repercussions and, and what happens. If, if, if your commission does find anti-competitive behavior uh, by Amazon, what can actually happen? Because from what I've been reading, the stiffest financial penalty would be 10% of annual global sales. That would be about $23 billion based on 2018 revenue for, for Amazon. I mean, is the extent of your ability fines or can you compel behavior change? Well, actually, our obligation is to try to make competition come back if we fear that competition has been under lock. So we have to try to find the best possible solution. Uh, and in the first Amazon case, where we were dealing with e-books, uh, we were questioning uh, the contractual clauses in German and English language e-books. And here, um, here we got a, a very good settlement. Uh, with Amazon, and that has allowed for competition and innovation to come back in the e-books market. 
In other cases, like in some of the Google cases, well, we have made a prohibition decision, a large fine, and a number of steps uh, for Google to take to comply with that decision. So basically, it, it can end up in, in, in either way. And of course, first, we'll have to prove that something is wrong. Uh, and we will approach this, of course, with an open mind, uh, because uh, this is a union built on the rule of law. And of course, we uh, ensure every kind of procedural fairness when we do an investigation like this. You know, the, the classical definition of a monopoly is a commodity controlled by one party. But a monopoly was defined so many decades ago. I just wonder, given your probe, for example, into Amazon, it's not just looking at bigness. It's looking at behavior. And I, I wonder if you think that our definition of a monopoly as a society, given the evolution of big tech, has to change? Does it need to encompass more? Does it need to be defined more broadly? Well, as far as we have been dealing with antitrust so far, you know, also our legislation, uh, parts of that go back 60 years. Uh, so we have the same issue of, of quite, you know, uh, well-aged legislation. But so far, it has had the sufficient flexibility also to be relevant uh, in modern times. Uh, and that, I think, is a very good thing because part of, of antitrust is also for businesses to know what to do. And I think one of the reasons why the absolute majority of businesses are on the right side of the law, they compete on the merits, they really do their best, is because that we have uh, the continuity in our law enforcement and because we also sometimes steps in uh, and make an agreement. Uh, some of my colleagues in the member states in the European Union, uh, the German Competition Authority, uh, the Aust Austrian Competition Authority, they just uh, settled with Amazon in some of their contractual clauses, and that will now have, uh, I think, worldwide effect. So I think it's important to see, well, yes, sometimes we make a settlement, sometimes we go to a prohibition decision, where there can be a fine, and the maximum of the fine, as you say, is 10% of turnover. Very often it will be between 4 and 6% of, of global turnover, sometimes smaller. So actually, it's, it's very early days, and also way too early to try to figure out, well, what could be sort of worst-case scenario, because it is an obligation for any law enforcer uh, to uh, look at uh, the case with an open mind. You have heard the calls from some even candidates for the presidency of the United States, to break up big tech, to break up Amazon. Is that a good idea? Well, it's a measure of, of last resort, uh, because obviously it's the most intrusive thing that you can do uh, to take a private company and say, well, you have to break up. This will have to be completely reorganized. Uh, it will take us to court, and it will take us to court for a very long time. So we have to be able to show that we have tried everything else before we get there, because it's our obligation to make competition come back with the least intrusive um, um, mean uh, to do that. And the second thought on that is, of course, that when you have business models that has as its basic, as its core, uh, the use of data, then what happens if you split up a company if you don't sort of split up data. Maybe it would be a better solution to give more smaller companies access uh, to data, maybe as a remedy in a competition case, to allow them to get the same muscle and the same understanding of the marketplace 
as the big guy uh, when the big guy is the only one to have access to all the data. But because the question becomes, what would actually be most beneficial to society versus what sells politically? I mean, we are in a heated presidential campaign already. Mark Zuckerberg, the founder of Facebook, weighed in on this recently, and he said, I kind of get why politically saying that you want to break up these companies feels nice. But then he went on to say, our bigness helps us fight off things like Russian election interference, for example, like fake news. He he essentially was implying there, Commissioner, that this is just a bunch of politics at play. Well, this this is why I say that that for us, it's not a a political matter. Uh, We have the responsibility to make sure that the market serves consumers and that it's not the other way around. Uh, and this is why, of course, we have a toolbox with an, quite a number of different tools. But breaking up a company is a measure of very last resort because it's very far reaching. And if we can do, you know, the, we want to do the least intrusive thing to have competition come back. That is our obligation. And it is right that at the same time as we have had these uh, cases where we have strong suspicions or even proof of anti-competitive uh, behavior in some of the big companies, we also work with the companies to fight uh, hate speech, to fight interference in our elections, uh, to fight illegal content, uh, just as well as we legislate for uh, the big tech companies to respect other people's rights when it comes to copyright, when it comes to ownership of content, to make sure that people actually do get remunerated for all the wonderful things that we all, I think, cherish Uh, laugh about, uh, endure uh, when we uh, see a film or a clip or a song or whatever. So I think the working relationship is is quite broad, both very sort of solid and direct when we open an antitrust investigation, but also uh, engaging in, in dealing with what we have in common, fighting hate speech, fighting illegal content, making it more safe uh, to be online. Because part of the hate speak, of course, speech make some people say, no, I don't even want to go there anymore. And that, of course, is a problem in our democracy. At the G7 last year, the president was speaking to the European Commission chief, Jean-Claude Juncker, about you. And he said, quote, your tax lady, she really hates us in the United States. What did you think when you heard that, Commissioner? Well, I, I did my own little fact-checking on, on that sentence because it is correct that I'm a woman uh, and I do work with tax. Um, but I have a very long-standing relationship uh, with the U.S. Uh, I come from Denmark and you would probably find that Denmark is one of the countries who have a very close relationship. You know, I have been speaking on, on the 4th of July. There is a Danish 4th of July uh, celebration. Uh, I have been traveling quite a lot in the U.S. My husband has family in the U.S. And uh, I find, as I think a lot of Europeans uh, would do, that U.S. holds so much for better and for worse. And in that respect, also for better and for worse, one of our best friends uh, on this globe that we're sharing. Do you worry at all or think at all, or does it keep you up at all at night, uh, about any potential for increased trade tension trade war between the United States and and the European Union, given these fines, hefty fines levied on American-based companies like Google, like Apple, with the president weighing in the way he did. Does that ever give you pause? Well, you know, the the reason why why we have these cases is because of the success 
it's because of trade uh, that these cases can ever occur. Uh, because if U.S. companies weren't present, uh, of course, we would have no jurisdiction in Europe. But if you look at our numbers, you'd see that we have no bias. Uh, because for us, it's not about the flag. It's not about your ownership. It's about how you do business. And Europe is a wonderful place to do business. You can make a lot of good business here. And that is what it's about. Uh, and it's because of trade that my U.S. colleagues would you look into European companies if they found reason to do that. And it's because of trade that we look into U.S. companies if we find reason to do that. One of the things, of course, is that when we have a complaint about a U.S. company, very often it's from another U.S. company because, as I said, Europe is a great, great place to do business. What about critics who say all of this stifles innovation? What do you say to them? Well, actually, we have found in some of our cases, for instance, the Google Android case, that the Google behavior was what stifled innovation because we saw that all the many skilled people who want to make full use of the open source Android operating system, well, they couldn't find any uh, who would uh, make a phone and carry that new version of that uh, operating system because of Google behavior. And that, of course, put a lid on innovation. And one of the amazing thing of the industrial revolution that we're in is the innovative push. And innovation is what we are trying to promote everywhere we go, because not only do we need competition in prices, in quality, in services, we also need competition in innovation to make the most of a data-driven economy. As we wrap up, Commissioner, two final questions for you. One is about this idea of a global regulator. Your power is in Europe, right? And the U.S. is Congress's power and, and the DOJ's power and the FTC's power is in the United States. These aren't just American companies anymore or European companies anymore. I mean, Google's CEO just told me a few weeks ago they are a global company in every sense. So does a global regulator make the most sense right now? Well, on a theoretical uh, basis, yes, it may. But, you know, it would take forever and a day for us to have such a global regulator. So what we do instead is that we have a very close cooperation. And we also cooperate on aligning our rules, our procedures for businesses to know what they're dealing with, to cut red tape, to make sure that uh, fairness in, in our procedures, uh, that is actually in place. Because you're completely right, when our economy goes global, when businesses become global, well, then, of course, they should also meet global authorities. And we can make the best of, of that when we have international cooperation, we have an international competition network, and, and we do exactly that, realizing that we need that cooperation now and not in 10 years' time where we may or may not have a global regulator. Finally, Commissioner, during your tenure, um, you've certainly gotten the attention of the world, of the U.S. president, as you know. What do you think has been the single most important enforcement decision you have made on the competition front to protect the most consumers? As you look back, what has mattered the most? Well, what really mattered to me was one day I was, uh, I was having a cup of coffee with my youngest daughter in, uh, in a cafe here in Brussels. Uh, and when we're leaving, uh, there's a woman and she gets up and then she says to my daughter, well, you can be proud of your mom because she made my business she enabled my business to compete against the bigger ones. And you know, 
if you, if you are allowed to do something like that, to allow also for smaller businesses to have a fair chance of making it, then I can ask for nothing more. That certainly says a lot. Commissioner Vestager, thank you so much for your time. It was my pleasure being with you. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Boss Files. You can find the special CNN documentary report, The Age of Amazon, on CNN Go. Don't forget to subscribe to Boss Files to get weekly episodes from interviews with top CEOs and leaders. And as always, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Poppy Harlow CNN. I'd love to hear what you think of the podcast and our Amazon documentary. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Now streaming exclusively on Max, a new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking, Call Me Country, Beyonce and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash callmecountry. Max subscription required.